Okay, so uh, we are here today, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, uh, to discuss. We are gathered here today to discuss the work of uh, Iggy Pop, uh, specifically uh, his second solo album. Uh, not only his second solo album, second solo album in the year it was released, which is uh, fairly impressive. And the second album that he worked with uh, David Bowie on. Um, it was released in 1977, which uh, we've decided is the first... No, yeah, well, hold on. Remind me one more time. Wish You Were Here, 76? 75. Wish You Were Here. 75, okay. So we're, so we're a year into the wilderness years. Well, if you tell me this was the second album that he made that year, the chances are it was a late release, right? So late 77? It's not that late. It's August. Oh, okay. He was yeah. busy, wasn't he? he? He was, I think, that yeah, I mean, they smashed through it, didn't they? Um, yeah, second collaboration with Bowie. Um, I didn't know pro- that either. What? Well, I don't do any research, do I? Um, and all I knew was the year. So the fact that Bowie, as in Bowie, Bowie was uh, the producer on the record... Bowie was, uh, it, it, the production was handled by Iggy Pop himself, uh, David Bowie and a guy called Colin Thurston. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was the case for both both these albums, The Idiot. The Idiot was the one that he re- released the year before. That was a Bowie production and that was like a full on, uh, I mean, it's when it's talked about, it's talked about being a, you know, to all intents and purposes, a David Bowie album with Iggy Pop singing. Okay. Which is possibly a little unkind and a bit unfair uh, because... You know, it's, it is a it is an Iggy Pop um, album, uh, but but Bowie had a lot more sort of control uh, over over how it sounded and how it went together. So yeah, the fact that David Bowie um, is a producer on this record makes a lot of sense, and we will discover why in my notes later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah, it's it's you can hear him in much the same way as uh, Transformer, I think. Hmm. Well, it's funny because um, obviously Transformer being a Lou Reed solo album after Velvet Underground, right? Correct. And this being a solo album for Iggy Pop after The Stooges, albeit the yeah. second one, right? Yeah. So why, let me ask you this, why do you think normally it's the, it's the solo albums that have the kind of guest production as opposed to the band albums because te- that, that tends to it tends to feel like that's a kind of yeah I don't passion. know I think I think I think with um, with Bowie and Lou Reed and Bowie and uh, uh, Iggy Pop I think it was kind of a, a bit of a it was kind of like a mutual admiration society I think that they um, I think they each party did something for the other in mm. working together I think that they uh, they, they kind of there was a reciprocal kind of um, boost to the to the to the people's uh, careers and and credibility and record record sales. You know, everything was improved by them being associated with one another. So it kind of made more. It made David Bowie more credible because he was working with these people that had done really sort of um, highly regarded critical works, and it gave. And but but, but both of them. Had 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 they hadn't really enjoyed massive commercial success, at Lou Reed and Iggy Pop. So working with Bowie, kind of gave them the you know the the the, the stamp of approval that would reach a wider audience. So it was a very reciprocal thing. The Stooges um, 
weren't at the same I'm going to show my naivety here, weren't at the same level as the Valve Underground then in terms of success. And neither of them had massive success. Ne- neither band had, uh, had it, it's, it, it's massively a, late, a thing from later in um, history that, that the Velvets were, were kind of recognised for the force that they, that the, we, we understand them to be. At the time, they were, they were pretty disregarded. It was, a, it was a small concern for the wider world. Right. Um, and the same with the Stooges, yeah. Stooges is probably more so, or mm. less so. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they mm. probably made even less of an impact. But um, the weird thing with that is that the people that did, I think it was someone. So there's a really good quote about the Velvet Underground, which was never has an album uh, been bought by so few people that's influenced so many people. Do you know what I mean? And I think that the, yeah, yeah. that that's that's something that's it's an interesting precursor to the work that then happened immediately after where he worked with Bowie, just kind of pulled it up. And, and had, had Lou Reed not done Transformer with Bowie and had, and had a couple of the, the, the big songs, you know, Walk on the Wild Side, uh, it, uh, arguably would the Velvet Underground's profile have been lifted as much as it has? And obviously I'm saying it has. Go on. So, so what, why did the Stooges breakup then was there a breakup or did he go off and do a solo thing and then go back together did someone die again i think it, no, no I, don't, idea. I don't know exactly i think it's they had quite a fractious uh setup in the stooges um i also think that where it it kind of just didn't sell any records hmm. it, it, it just probably felt like well what's the point you know they have kept they've 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 reunited since they've 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 had another stab at it but i think without wanting to go on record as saying it you know Absolutely, it was because of this. I think it's just the fact that you know this isn't going anywhere. Mm. Uh, he, you know, he had he had a, a personal friendship with Bowie. Um, they they ended up in Berlin, um, ironically, to wean themselves off um, drugs, which I'm not sure I'm not sure how effective that was. Was Bowie in New York at the time to work with Lou Reed and Iggy Pop? Then I imagine that's no. It was in Berlin. It was Berlin. He worked with uh, Iggy Pop. Both these records are in Berlin. Yeah, and he did. So he did. He did the idiot. I think. I think the order of things is that he did the idiot, and took a took a fair bit of inspiration from from the from the working process, from the um, experience that he had with with um, Iggy Pop, and as a result of that, it influenced his recording of. Uh, I believe it was Heroes. I think. I think that's the one that he recorded after the idiot but it got released before the idiot uh you can and, and you can hear that in this record just yeah, this, mega, yeah totally again a bit like last week's record that we, we we sort of spoke about the space where it's just drums and bass and vocals and the guitars are just dynamically set back a bit they're there but they're not yeah. just thrashing out no sort of chords with every strum and it's it's that space that you hear on heroes that you hear on that Totally. I, I want to call it a late seventies sound, which in, it can only be understood in my head as to what that means. Yeah, and I'll, I mention it a couple of times for good and bad reasons on my review of the record in a minute. I think that that's something that you can find a lot throughout um, uh, an artist like where Iggy Pop is a is a is kind of a force at the front of an act. Do you know what I mean? He's he, he's not a classically uh, you know, he's not, he's not the sort of singer that m- makes your jaw hit the floor when you hear 
a, a range or a style or a te- you know technicality. He's not. Um, he doesn't play. You know, he doesn't play an instrument to the point whereby it's used on records. Um, I think that when you have that sort of situation, if you then have a uh, a, a lead guitarist or or, or flashy um, uh, players in the band, it can detract from the point of what I reckon is you know attractive mm. about about him in the first place. So yeah, no, you could definitely tell whenever you see the photos of him, he's he's top off or. Um, eyeliner makeup on or, or, or it's more than just I don't know it's, it's, it's more of an act it's more the same as Bowie not so much Lou Reed I wouldn't have said but certainly uh, he is a piece of art himself it would appear and that needs to come through with almost a, in a solo project okay so so there's going to be there's there's obviously Iggy Pop fans per se for me you know the idiot and Lust for Life are are, are the huge albums they're the ones that I would have an interest in spending time with uh, more than anything else. There was, there's been the odd song since he's, you know, he's done, he's done countless records after these, but, but, but I, um, and it, I don't think it's too controversial an opinion, but it might be, it, you know, you will have people saying it's unfair, but it is for me, he is so much better when he's got someone holding his hand. Do you know what I mean? He, he's kind of, he, he really benefits from, uh, and and you know David Bowie was accused of being a control freak for the idiot. Was his was his stock so much higher at that point prior to this record coming out? Maybe that. Um, no, I don't know it, that. It, I know what you mean. I don't know if it was completely that because all of these things happened in such quick succession that it wasn't a case of let's get in Bowie because he is absolutely huge at the moment. And it, 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 I don't think any of it was working like that. I think Bowie was a fan of Iggy Pop. Um, and I think that uh, Iggy Pop was up for this mad English person with loads of, you know, that, that was super prolific to just mm. see what happened. And I, I think that through through the benefit of hindsight, we can look back and see the, the huge success that they enjoyed. But at the time, I don't think it was as uh, sort of, you know... Tactically um, organised. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm. Um, yeah, it, I do, and it, and also, like I say, it was you know these two albums in '77. It was it was so rapid. It was so kind of um, everything happening at once that I don't think that that there was the time to make it that 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 kind of. Uh, well, the the album sets itself up to. Um, it took, I imagine it took three weeks to record. And it's then, like eight eight weeks. Yeah, eight weeks. It was done. What the whole like so so three weeks recording, five weeks production probably. If you were to, but list listening to it. I mean, and that's not in a negative way. I'm not saying no. I know. No, well, that was that was something that I was keen to hit on early on is the fact that we, you know, um, you've you've talked a lot about your problem with this with this wilderness years uh, period of time as being too. Um, constructed too uh thought over too too much time spent on it too much um care taken over every detail and too you know this is not that is it this is this is this is rough and this is as rough and ready as i think you're going to get from this period actually that's not true but there is it's no if, if you were going to find some punk records that were probably done in an afternoon i imagine that, that might be it but i think as you move into the 80s the yeah, but hold on, but hold on, but hold on. I'm not just saying, yeah, but but, the, but those rough and ready albums were probably shit as well. I'm talking about mm. um, albums that are, albums that I, I I reckon and and the you know the the wider world consider to be great albums. Some of them sound like 
you know a, a billion pounds has been spent on them and it's been done over two years some of them sound like they've been made in a week and it costs you know five hundred thousand pounds yeah this 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 is a, this is an album that hasn't from in my opinion hasn't suffered from uh, a speedy re- recording um and, and in many ways you know it benefits from it well the previous two records that we've spoken about have had a uh quite a lot of string, a live string um, yes. situation. Yeah. And with that naturally comes time and expense um, yeah. and, and further production time required to make it all work. So, um, yeah, it's a good thing. It's, it's definitely a good thing for for this type of record. You don't want it to be padded out too much with layers and layers of nonsense and glossed up. It, it's a garage album, right? I mean, that's yeah. effectively what, what this is. And, it's a and rock it sounds and roll like album. It. Rock and roll. And rock and roll... Only ever works if it feels genuine, if it feels honest. Then again, I don't, I don't. There's a there's a place for production that's done that's done right. We spoke sure. about, um, but I don't think this has the, bad production. No, not, I'm not suggesting it does. But just because uh, you, you gave an example of my hatred for production within the wilderness years due to the time taken over it and the money spent on it, but Blood Sugar Sex Magic, we spoke about the production of the drums on that and the record that followed it uh one up minute when we we're talking about drums and bass and I, I might be in the minority but that first embrace album was abbey road kettle drums strings would have taken months to record i think it's a brilliant record so there is a just, just spending time on an album isn't a bad it, it no. thing it's just how it's how it's produced but yeah this this production well should we should we get into the i mean you, you want to ask me the very important question first i suppose What's the, what's that? What specifically? Did I like the album? <laughs> yeah, did I enjoy it? I guess. Um, well, yeah, yeah. Go on then. Uh, if do you, if do you have an answer as simple as straightforward as that? Yeah, I, I probably do have an answer. It it was enjoyable. So yes, yeah. it's it's obviously a record that's at the start of the wilderness years and probably doesn't deserve to be included in it. Now, obviously, me cutting it off at Wish You Were Here is the most arrogant, incorrect thing in the world. And it's a headline grab for the six <laughs> people we might have listening to this at any point. And I think everything we've, I else. Think we've, I think we've lost one by now. I think we've got five. <laughs> yeah, it's down to five, is it? Um, <laughs> but the reality is this is where the, the, it, it all depends on on what's being made at that time, I guess. And, and yeah. um, it, it's it's not the kind of music I choose to listen to. Well, let's go for it. So the first song, Last for Life, um, I didn't, there's nothing to say. I mean, it doesn't sound like it's from 1977. It sounds like it's from yesterday and tomorrow and a hundred years ago. The fact that it's used on one of the most important films for us growing up, you know what I mean? It, it was all yeah. over the same spot. And it used to be played in the clubs that me and you hung out in. You know what I mean? So it was like a Saturday night. We'd hear it all the time. It wasn't, just doesn't sound of that time to me. And, and it's no, because I do, of all I the... Do. Um, I do think it's got um, the sound. The sound of the the title track is it's an incredibly well uh, captured uh, moment. It's you know it, it really doesn't sound it, well. I think what helps is that it it uses a like it opens with a drum pattern, right? And that drum pattern is 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 pretty much just a a, a really classic Motown sound, uh, but a bit beefed up. So it's a bit more kind of um, it's a bit more present, but it is that that particular pattern is 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 a. I mean, it's even you, if you listen to "Can't Hurry Love," 
Um, it's, it is your current Harry Love, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's almost identical, yeah. but it's a bit, but it's like it's a bit beefed up. You know, it's kind of a bit. You know, it's had a, it's, it's had a it's, couple it's, of beers. Yeah, it's got that. It's got that garage um, recording technique to it, where it's probably but got I think, three, 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 three mics that, on the entire kit. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that whenever whenever you combine no, not whenever, but sometimes when you combine elements from different eras, classic eras you end up with something that almost escapes a time definition. Do you know what I mean? So so where where it uses that sort of real classic 60s Motown drum pattern, and then you've got the kind of uh, Bo Diddley kind of style, really lovely guitar. Just doing I was going to ask about that, actually. Is, is that the version that I'd have always heard? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, there's because one version of the I, tune. I don't. I don't remember the guitar playing in the times I've heard it previously, being as kind of nice and pronounced. Maybe, maybe on the edits that, that we. Yeah, but bear in mind, bear in mind those the times that you were listening to it, you were off your head um, in in a in a club yeah. with a terrible sound system. Yeah, that it would be more. It would, I understand, but but I've heard it a hundred times. On yeah. Radio Six, but that's or often the telly that's, or but that's often the trouble with a song that you're super familiar with. You don't tend to give it your proper ears. You tend to just let it wash over you. And oh yeah, I like this tune. This is all right. Whereas with this particular you know project that we're trying to do, you are going to give it your ears. Do you know what I mean you are going to listen to it properly? You are going to listen to the guitar and you're going to think, oh, I'm a bassist. What's the bass like on this tune? When does it come in? Does it you know is it? So I think all those sort of things. There's, there's tons of albums that I've known. And then one time I've actually taken the time to, you know, to to concentrate and listen to it, and it's completely changed my opinion of it. Yeah, that that's the guitars really almost pricked my ears up a little bit for something new. That was the nice thing to come out of that song, listening to it because it's a song I didn't, you know, I was very familiar with it. It's almost too famous for this project. Again, it doesn't feel. If you just said to me, when was that song? I would have said maybe early nineties. It doesn't necessarily sound like late seventies. It's such I a think- weird. The thing is, I think it wouldn't be impossible for someone who doesn't, who didn't know. Well, that's stating the obvious. I'm, what do I mean? Basically, I, 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 know I could, I could forgive, say. I could forgive someone for thinking that this tune came out when Trainspotting came out. Yeah, I, I could the production. That. Yeah, the production. Um, you could be thirty years out with with, with your date on that. Well, twenty five yeah. years out and, yeah. and, and not yeah. be a fool. Yeah. No. So that's that's number number one. Lust for life. Number two was a song called Sixteen. Um, it reminded me of the Happy Mondays, funny right. enough. Just that okay. kind of shouty, toneless vocal with a real stomping drum drum beat. And it just, yeah, felt like Sean Ryder, really. Um, pretty good song. Quite liked it, yeah. A good number two. You know, a good number two song. You don't want to steal the thunder of number one. No. Just on a vibe. Um, number three. Yeah, uh, just, 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 just before you carry on. D- d- yeah. All, all of the um, all of the lyrics are, are Iggy Pop, mm. um, but the, the last, going back to Last of Life just very quickly, that was that was David Bowie pretty much wrote that the music. Um, okay. But what I like what I like about that bit of knowledge is that you can tell that he's kind of and and I I was I, during the week I was I looked at a couple of articles of 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 you know talking about this album, and I read somewhere that at one point. And I might have this wrong. It might be about the idiot rather than lust for life. But they said that he would just sit at a piano um, during the recording session, or well, writing and recording sessions, and um, and say, "Right, we're going to do X song," 
by you know why and so he they so they just completely rip off a tune uh and Iggy would kind of uh sort of freestyle the the, the lyrics and they just have a new song but that but by doing it and I think you kind of get that with us for life is that it, you know it could have just been right let's do let's do this kind of tune they did it Iggy Pop just freestyle some lyrics which are wicked as well uh and they ended yeah. up with with an absolute banger sorry well, the yes. album's a bit like that isn't it it's a bit put together um in in its styles um like there's a waltz song on it there's a kind of spoken word doorsy bit it's a, i mean it's got a bit of everything in it again but moving yeah. on to some weird sin um i put my notes are finally sounds 70s because i didn't think the first two represented the era as i would imagine it to be mm-hmm. um I can hear the strokes all over this, which is strokes. obvious, yeah, I'm glad I suppose. You said that. I, I thought that today. I was wondering if you were going to pick up on that. Yeah, New York as well, and obviously important to to them, I guess. Um, and nice cowbell. Don't often hear cowbell. <laughs> don't uh, hear it enough. You don't hear, don't enough. hear enough. So it's nice to hear that. Um, an all righty song. I got a bit bored of it in the end, that tune. I'm, I'm going to be as honestly critical as, as, I, as I can be. I like, but, it, I like but, the, as, but as an album track... It's not. It's not shit, is it? No, not at all. Um, there's not a great deal of filler on this record. I didn't think like there has I, been in the, the the previous two. I, I fully um, agree. Fully agree. Passenger again, uh, only a little bit less famous than than the opening track. I'd have thought. Okay, great. Um, I, did, I did wonder if you'd. I, I was prepared for you to really annoy me and say no. I've never heard that song before. Yeah, I do that a lot, don't I? But no, I, not even I could get away with it on this tune. I, I'm, I'm not sure. This one sounds a little bit earlier. So this one sounds like it should be outside the wilderness years. It sounds more like a 74, 75 song, not the song 74, 75. But I think, oh God, no. That, that should be in the wilderness years just because it's <laughs> awful. Um, I, I, I think that, okay, so this, so this is the first point where I'm going to uh, argue with you. This, this album does sound like it was made in 1977 to me. It sounds like it is... Because there's a progression from, there's definitely a difference in the sound of the recording of the instruments at this point in time to to your 74, 75 um, era, you know, guitars and attitude and, and it doesn't sound 80s and it doesn't sound early 70s. It sounds like it was, for, to me, it sounds like it was recorded in 77. It's, you know, it, it is that time, which is, and, and but just before you come back in, it, that's that's where part of my problem about this absolute insanity, which is the wilderness years, is that, and this is always something that I thought we would come to, uh, which is the fact that I reckon that if, if you, I think your wilderness years should start in 80. Or, or or even probably eighty. <laughs> I think, I think there's enough shit, but there, there is enough shit between 1976 and 1980 to include an awful lot of it. And you're picking out some golden nuggets, and we'll we'll get to I'm the go, end. Of I'm going to pick out. I'm going to pick out some horrors from that period as you well, are. just just to make you exactly. But well, I think the, I think the reason I said Passenger might sound like it's from an earlier time is the song style that it's a repetitive. Four chords all the way love through. The, love, the drum, love the drums in this album. The drums, the drums in this album sounds so uh, good. I'll talk to you about drums in a minute. Um, but on this, I don't think this particular song is an example of the drums to bring it up yet for me. But um, it's got oh, more cowbell in it. Just when it comes in with the toms, 
where you have that little cowbell um, rattle. Yeah, yeah, the cowbells class. Yeah, but I felt it's 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 an all right song for me, but the the way that it just goes round and round on those four chords makes it to me feel like it's an early 70s written style sure. maybe not the production recording in the way that you had dylan or someone in the 60s but then carrying on to the early 70s where people just play these chords over and they kind of go off off on it a little bit late doors yeah. as well would do it yeah. it's quite dawsy it's got a dawsy feel to it well interestingly enough that was what i was just about to come in and say um this tune was based loosely on a on a poem by jim morrison that is unbelievable because I've got Wow Dorsey written on it. Yeah. It actually says, more cowbell, very famous, Wow Dorsey, bit repetitive, bit overrated in my very honest opinion, this song. I, I, so remember, the, I remember when it came out, not when it came out, I don't remember it came out, I wasn't born. I remember when I discovered it um, and I, it could even have been when I was already DJing and, and that was a tune that I kind of popped on now and again. And I remember it's kind of what you what you've just said about it being a bit repetitive, and it does go on a little bit long. You know, it's not a short song; it's it's almost five minutes, and it doesn't deviate too much from the the original theme. But the original theme is pretty rad, <laughs> so you kind of it starts, and you're like, "Oh God, I love this song." By the end of it, you're like, "Hey, eh. <laughs> right. yeah, that's, that's that's certainly when you're analysing an album like I was as well. Um, you you can't get you have to find you have to look for critique, and that is something that. Maybe if you're in the car and it's on, you don't notice how much it's dragging. But if you're purposely listening for faults and for pleasures within it, that's something that stands out. So it's not necessarily the fairest way to, to no. judge an album necessarily by listening to it, analysing it and reviewing it. Because it, in, the records aren't necessarily made to be listened that way you know if you know what i'm not if you know what i'm saying i guess i don't know i do i do but at the end of the day mate if you're going to cancel out 13 years of music then and this is the only way to to stop that then i think that you know this is the way we've got to do it oh yeah I'm, and don't, don't get me wrong people review records all the time this isn't we've not just invented the wheel here have we but i think that particular song on analysis will be offered the critique of a bit repetitive and it and it's um yeah it's, it's all right a, it's, it's a good why is it so famous why is it so uh, has it been used? Uh, was it a single? Hold on. It would definitely have been a single, but yeah, has it, it been used it, it, Well, no, famous? do you know what? Actually, no, I read about this as well during the week. It was a, it was a single, but it was on the B-side uh, of success. And I think, as with a lot of tunes um, in, in history, when because these days, when I say these days, let's say uh, when, when, when we were nippers, you know, sort of 20 years ago, um, singles were... A, like a really, really, it was it was almost focus group. Do you know what I mean? You, you didn't release a single unless it was going to absolutely destroy things. Whereas years ago, the single, I think that they just were a bit more casual with it. Is that? Do you think mm. that's true? Okay. I just think that there's been examples of things being on B sides that have turned out to be a much bigger song. I'm trying to think of the, there's a really, really classic example of that. I think well, there's uh, double A's, isn't there? The, the double A's of the no, 60s. No, but not even, double, not even double A's. I'm talking about songs that come out on the B side. DJs have got hold of the seven inch in order to play the A side, listened to the B side, and thought, well, no, this is this is well a better song. I'm going to play this instead. How uh, soon? I, th I think How Soon Is Now is a B side as well. Smiths. I think that was a yeah, B side. But, um, but this was, yeah, this is an example of that. And I, I'm pretty sure I read that some, some DJ got hold of it, like smashed it out loads on the radio, and it ended up getting getting quite big. Well, uh, as, uh, I, I imagine it's been used somewhere for me to have heard because it's not it's not a club there a, song. There was a TV show. There was a TV show when we were nippers that 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 was called. I think it was called Passengers. 
uh, right. in the 90s, I think it was. Let's, let's move on to the fifth song, Tonight. I've put, I quite like the Floydian intro, very Bowie, which this is obviously, from what you've told me at the start of this episode, this is obviously where Bowie had a big sort of footprint on this song. I love the drum production. Not a bad tune, this one. Mm-hmm. So the fact that, that this must be a better example of the drums and the production of them, which is so far away from the wilderness years in terms of poor drums. But, uh, yeah, I just really like really liked it and, and it's it's got that ga- garage feel where you you feel um you know like airbag by radiohead was mm. recorded with one, one mic that was 20 foot away from the kit or something ridiculous i'm not suggesting it's that but it's definitely got that understated few mics here and there and probably a big sort of sheet of plastic over there for it would have bounced back on i don't know you, you know it's, it's definitely got that sort of feel would to you it. would you be interested to know that it was uh later used uh by bowie for his own means he covered it uh, for his for his. He he released an album called Tonight uh, about six years later, um, maybe a bit more. Seven years later, I think it was uh, eighty four. I think Tonight, basically David Bowie album, and uh, this was on it. So, what well, uh, does that suggest to you that maybe he had a bigger hand on this particular song than is credited to him? Mu- potentially, he wrote, he wrote the music. Um, I think Iggy Pop wrote the lyrics. Yeah, it's just, well, for me to have written without knowing the Bowie um, connection, for me to have put on there very Bowie, doesn't surprise me that this might have made its way onto a Bowie record at some point. Oh, I think because... he changed the lyrics himself anyway for his version, Bowie. But yeah, he did. I mean, yeah. It, Would do, it, wouldn't he? <clears throat> so that was, the, that, was them, that was them working together on it for, for Biggie Pop's thing, and then, he, and then he redid it. But it's mad to think that he, was, he took a song from 77 and did it in 84 when you consider how prolific Bowie was and how much he would do it just seems because he he did another song as well he did a song from The Idiot uh, China Girl Um, he did that on Let's Dance but I've got a feeling he did that as like a um, as like a kind of way to 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 get some money to Iggy Pop because Iggy Pop ended up in a bit of a state again oh okay and I think Bowie did a cover of it in order to get you know to get Iggy Pop the publishing some royalties yeah well, you know how you send me the files through um, on Spotify. So you send, so you send me the link to so the right track list. The right track list. Yeah, yeah. So at the end of the album, for some reason, rather than it just go back to the start, it started playing something from an album called Blah Blah Blah, yeah. which I believe is uh, an eight. It, it must be eighties. It is a few years later. Oh yeah. God! If you'd have given me that one, we'd be having a very different chat because, again, someone else who was unscathed of the eighties, even. Iggy Pop couldn't get through it, so uh, he, sorry, um, not, not, he, not unscathed. He did a tune called uh, God. What was it? I think he did a song called "The Wild One" on uh, blah blah blah, and um, that song, <laughs> that song was on the Pretty Woman soundtrack. And I remember when I was a kid, my sister used to have the Pretty Woman soundtrack, and uh, in the in the days before, like you say, Spotify and 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 you know having any music you want at the snap of a finger, I would kind of go through my, my, my siblings sort of tapes and records and stuff and I'd give stuff a listen. And I remember really enjoying his, his, his tune wild one. And that was, I think it was yeah real wild child and it was on um, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, but it's the eighties. We're talking and, 83. And Bo, Bo was involved in that as well. That, that album. That's not blah, surprised blah. me. That, that was, surprise that me, was mate. 86. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, look, 
Um, next song was called Success. Um, I put quite late eight, uh, quite late seventies now. Like for me, you can tell you're. It's almost as if the previous two songs took me back a few years early. But you've 70s got, wise, but you've but got to remember that these, it, it was all done. It's not, it's not critique necessarily. I'm just saying no, that these. No, no, are no, the, I know. But what I'm saying is, it's it, like this wasn't. These weren't gathered from writing sessions spanning 10 years it was all done in a in a heartbeat do you know what I mean it's just they just so happen to sound like this and like that and like the other but that's interesting that in only three weeks of four weeks of recording eight, eight weeks total from point of recording to being mastered that you could get such a in my opinion in my years of quite a varied I say varied Christ a, a thousand people don't give a fuck enough to care about this sort of things only me and you really that probably do but for me to think oh it feels like it's come back into the late 70s now whereas someone else would listen to this album said yeah it's just it's just a song get over yourself but yeah it felt like it it felt like it was quite late 70s now um quite facesy I'm not okay. really into this too many major chords so I think what I think the late 70s guitar stuff that I don't really like is when you've got that kind of pub piano accompaniment and it's like a major chord to a major chord and everyone's just having a bloody good time because they're rich from the 60s. And that was, and that was kind of... I'm pretty sure the faces weren't rich. Not necessarily rich, but they're like, they've done their hard work now. I think the Stones are guilty of it in the late 70s, in my opinion, as well. Just writing like easy, easy song. They know it's going to sell. It's part of the time. If I have my own version of the Wilderness Years, it's, it's just one song. And that's it's only rock and roll, but I like it by the Rolling Stones. That's that sort me, of feels that, that this to me is 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 how that was going. A little bit too happy and major. Uh, no, I, yeah, I don't get that. I don't get that with it. No. I like I like that tune. Are we talking about success? Yeah, there's no minor chords in it, I don't think. It was all 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 a little bit too kind of um non accidental, it felt like I do I do, I've always felt like I haven't given um appropriate uh, time to to Iggy Pop as a solo artist. Uh, I've always known this album and the Idiot were albums to 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 you know to to afford attention, and I never I, I've never gone out of my way to do it. But then listening to this this week, um, I've realised that I pretty much knew every song back to front, so that's obviously bollocks. But it, I yeah, it's strong, and and I was I was alarmed by how much because I, I thought. I, I thought Lust for Life and Passenger. I knew I was going to know, and I and I and I'd ha- I wouldn't be able to memorize. I hadn't memorized the track listing for this album, but then when I when I suggested it last week, because I didn't decide until we were actually talking in 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 the podcast that it was going to be this mm. one. After we got off after we got off the, the the link up, I had a look at the album and I was like, oh fuck me, I know I know loads of tunes on this album, and then listening to it even more. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh god, yeah, I know yeah. this as well. It is. It's a it, like you say. There's no flab. It's a. It's a real. No, and I'll give you that album, as well. Yeah, it's a, I mean that 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 song's not really my vibe. That's probably what I class as the late seventies reason that this kind of music's in the wilderness years is for that kind of. It feels facesy. It feels kind of like oh whatever. But anyway, yeah. uh, next next song, uh, turn blue. I've put ooh a slow I one. I don't reckon you like this one. Spoken word, yay! Yeah, uh, I, I, I was I, <laughs> I was listening to it, <laughs> and that came up. I was like, Jesus, what is it with me picking these albums every single I one? Spoken word. It, uh, it, the fact it was in six eight, I, I liked. I think you should have a waltz on each song just to show your side of things. On each um, album, I quite sorry. On each album, every album should 
maybe try and dabble in a little six eight or, three, or just four. A, yeah just a change in time signature yeah uh, i like the guitars the song's a bit boring though it's like yeah this I, is probably as close like, to like fill out as we got i like it for where it is in the album i think it's yeah it's a, a good placing yeah, yeah it, it kind it kind you, you you've had your you've cut you kind of had a rapid fire uh shift between the you know the first bunch of songs and then you've got this to just go right everyone s- settle down a bit let's chill out we're coming into the home straight but just before we do that let's have a bit of color yeah i think that's the perfect way to explain explain this song not necessarily Excellent. the reason for it but um yeah i couldn't agree more with that it's just a bit and the fact that it breaks up the time signature like you've mentioned like we mentioned um yeah but a bit boring nah. I've, I've I've heard better waltzes myself. I've written better waltzes, mate. There you go. It's a strong, <laughs> it's a strong uh, statement. Um, Cons- neighbourhood. Considering that tune's written by Bowie and Warren Peace, that's probably yeah. a bit of a bold statement. I'll, I'll, I'm, 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 nice I'm good with it though. I'm, I'm standing by it. Um, neighbourhood threat. Um, I thought it was quite a little bit of Neil Young in this one. I felt okay. just, just coming which, in. Which bit of him? Uh, uh, probably his voice. <laughs> And guitar playing and songwriting ability, not not really his hair um, <laughs> or his hats. Uh, so yeah, Neil, quite Neil Youngy. Again, it's a bit boring and very repetitive. So I, I can see again why this one would be the penultimate song, a bit okay. like the previous song. I just think it's a good a good setup for the for the final song, which is "Fall in Love with Me," which my notes say um, it's a bit meh. Poor man's Rolling Stones. Sounds like Franz Ferdinand and late seventies boring in my opinion. So not the best ending to an album personally. You didn't you didn't love that uh, shit, did you? No. I, I, I like a I like a strong final song as now, we've spoken about. And I, I, I'm I'm I I kind of agree with you to a degree about it not being a big ending to the album or or, um, but th- then we talked about Ocean Rain last week, and and I'm not necessarily I don't necessarily need it to come out sort of with fireworks and 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 a fanfare at the end. But I do I do kind of concede that this is a it's an odd the structure and the melody of this is quite odd in that it's you never you're never really quite sure where where it the, feels like a bridge. I felt. That, yeah, the whole that, song was a bit yeah, of a bridge. Exactly, as it as in as in each part of the each part of the melodies felt like it was a bridge in itself. I do. Yeah, it never felt. Yeah, but, I could, it, it but, never, this is, but weirdly, this is what I was coming around to say is that I quite like that about it. I quite like that it's quite unconventional. It's not. It's not smashing you with a verse and then a chorus. It's kind of. Hmm. It does constantly feel like you're rolling along uh, a part, as opposed to clearly defined and i'm i'm always a bit of a fan for that if it's if it's still got a bit of melody if it's still got something that's hooking you in i quite like it to not be too straightforward do you know what i mean yeah i just think that i mean fair enough if this was his second album of the year he might have lost a couple of openers in his previous record i just i just think perhaps this this would have been sequenced somewhere else better i think I i like i like the tune i want the tune on the album but i think perhaps i might agree the album could have finished better with it'd be interesting to tonight. do a different sequence yeah tonight would be a good one but then you kind of almost think you kind of almost want tonight to be an opening tune well if that's opening you can close on Lust for Life yeah that's kind of what I think I agree yeah 
I think I think tonight and Lust for Life should bookend it in either in either direction. I don't mind which. Success. I think is a good, for... Success is a good opener for the second side. I think. Oh, course sides. You see, because we grew up on CDs. Yeah. I don't think of sides, and all of these yeah. records would have been out on vinyl. So I don't really think of it like that. Um, I wonder Def- if there's a way that I should. Yeah, I might need to start when when we're dealing with seventies records. Maybe not eighties so much. If uh, no, I think when, it's, when I think it's still a consideration for eighties. For, for what I was it's funny what I was going to say about this um, theory of yours, whereby you don't want to do any uh, reading or, or exploration before we talk. I, I get the point of that, but I was thinking about it this week. Right, the trouble with that is that it, no music that you love. No music that you, you that you've fallen in love with and that you go back to again and again and again is listened to entirely objectively. Everything you're into comes with uh, other elements. Do you know what I mean? There, there, there are, there's, there's a multitude of reasons why you like that album or that song or that band or that singer or that guitarist. And it's not just because of the pure moment when you listen to it for the first time and decide and made a judgment. Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. You're talking about like who suggested it to me, maybe where I heard it, what I was doing when I heard it, all, all these sorts. things. Yeah, so there's a raft of reasons that inf- that, that kind of uh, will encourage or discourage a, a a further exploration of something you're listening to, for sure. Even down to, I mean, I mean Christ, I remember when I used to buy NME, there would be... yeah. Sometimes, but sometimes there would be a there'd be a particular journalist that was reviewing it, and that it, just that would influence my. Do you know what I mean? So, so it's, whilst I get, I like the idea of you coming in completely uh, blind to it, and and not the and, thing and about it is Charlie, it. is that I've got the only the only um, opinion I have of it prior to that is the fact it's in the wilderness years. So if I was to then find out Bowie was in, this might've been different. If I'd found out Bowie was involved, um, I could have, for example, this isn't the case, but it might've been all these, these were tapes that were written in 74 that took a while to find their way to the studio, something like that, that would have then influenced me to Uh, think differently about it. Bear in mind, I won't, I'm not going to do an album that was, you know, written and recorded in, in 1969 and then released in 1982. Well, it, what you might need to do is if you think there's stuff I need to know, then you should tell me maybe, because yeah, otherwise maybe. I could open up a, open up. Because I, wand- I wondered about Echo and the Bunny Men last week about talking uh, about, about getting you to listen to uh, People Are Strange and, and just kind of taking in the, the fact that he's, he was a massive Jim Morrison fan. Because I think that, I think that you, not you, but one, I think one forgives to a certain degree if there is other knowledge that informs that, that either supports or defends a, a poor judgment. Do you know what I mean? So like, so yeah, like, I think it's, I'm not a judge though. Am I like Luke, like um, Ian McCulloch's not going to do time for my poor review of his album. So I don't think I need to be letting people off easily. Oh, it's up to you. We, we, we can do no, it either way. If you think, know, it's, if you think it's funny working out what would be the most, because uh, it's at the end of the day, like you say, it, it, like we've not been, we, <laughs> we're not, this isn't a public service. No, this isn't not. something that we've been um, tasked with doing. I'm, I'm doing it because I'm finding it quite amusing. I'm enjoying having a chat 
Um, I'm pretty sure, Charlie, and feel free to correct me, there's no governing body that has to review these um, episodes before they go out, right? No, so, it's, no. it's the best thing about it. Any, any bastard can put something up and people uh, can either choose to listen to it or not. Yeah, so I, I don't want to get caught up too much in giving it all the credence it needs. I think it needs to hear my um, blind ears. I don't often hear the word blind, describe what it is, but my blind ears, um, and, and unless you want to say to me, oh, by the way, this was his solo album after the band broke up, something that might give me, sure. I don't know, something like that. But Or if you think I'm, oh, I should desperately know something. And to um, be fair, yeah, that was a record. If there, are, if there are things that I think would assist the uh, analysis of a particular record. There's no reason why I can't give them to you. And then we, and then, no. it, and then it's, and then it's, um, I love the idea that it's going to be people listening that are going to be pissed off with us if we don't stick to the rules. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think there's two people more of an arsehole than me and you that would get more upset by that though. <laughs> like we're the ones, if anyone's going to get upset about that rule breaking within a review of a record yeah. from 40 years ago it's, it's me and you all right but um to, to to sort of like um conclude the review lust for life for me just stands out like a million bucks whether or not that it, yes oh sorry yeah the, the, the song itself almost like it was given from the album was built around it i mean the fucking album's called lust for life mm. the best song on it is lust for life the song that feels like it's had a bit like There She Goes on the Lars album, which mm. not necessarily as a massive fan of that album do I think it's the best song, but it's just it just stands out, doesn't it, with that sort of polish on it. Not, well, not necessarily... I would, I would, I'm going to get Spotify up here. I would imagine that Lust for Life will be his most listened to. No, that's interesting. The Passenger. Passenger is 230 million listens, whereas Lust for Life is guess. 220? No, 96. Jesus. That's vast. That must have been... Yeah, but that's... Uh, someone in America has probably used it on, like, the OC, like you said earlier. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, maybe, yeah. that's, a distort, that's a distorted figure. Um, I, I, don't, again, I, don't, I don't think I disagree. Although you, you say that, Sam, you've got to bear in mind that, that, that that's precisely the reason that we know what, much train spotting. I, that's, I was just about to say it. Yeah, train spotting is the reason that I... And that's the difficulty with this. When you bring nostalgia into it, um, which ordinarily that won't be a part of for me within these wilderness years because that I don't have any nostalgia attached to most of the songs within this time period. Yeah. But that's always going to influence you. So those influences, again, are um, not necessarily giving a level playing field for the, for the rest of the songs. But, but for surely, me, even... But, sh- but, surely, but surely something like nostalgia, which is a key component to all sorts of musical appreciation surely that shouldn't be it's part of it I think isn't it, it is. I don't know I think it is a, b- a bad thing because we probably like some Britpop albums that in a hundred years some of them look back at this and go what the fuck's all this about but the nostalgia we felt when we were learning our instruments and buying our band t-shirts and growing our hair that is the reason that we might like I don't know you like Shed 7 don't you for fuck's sake no I fucking do not that's what I was going to say. I think I've got away quite reasonably from uh, from those years. I, th- I don't think there's any bands that I was. I could say bands that you probably turn your nose up at, but I'm still char- I'm still I, I'm I'm still confident that they are a decent band. 
but no, not. I know Winslade used to wear a menswear t-shirt. For, he was he was wearing that the first day I met him. Oh, that's sweet. You remember what he was wearing the first day you met him? <laughs> the thing is, in your de- in your defence, was it really skinny and memorable? It was on the orange, orange, it was the or- orange telephone one. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I guess, and and that's my point with nostalgia. I, I don't think it can help to give a leveled critical analysis of something to some to an alien. If an alien comes down and you say, oh yeah, but this is the first time I got off with that bird or whatever, then the alien don't give a fuck about the bird. He wants to know what the record's like. So I'm not sure that nostalgia, for, for, for the sake of analysing records, is necessarily useful. And it's distorted my view on Lust for Life. But it is a, uh, but it is a, it, it's a key component to a human's love of music. It's intrinsic. It's it's unavoidable. It's it's completely. It's it's entirely relevant. But yeah, but does that then take away the um, objectivity? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's fine. I think that that's okay. okay. All right then. Well, I imagine out of the five listeners, we've got to, three of them are on your side, and two are on my side. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a band that I know you like that are absolutely rubbish, but that you uh, have concession for because. Because of you know some non- well the Chili Peppers the early Chili Peppers music would be that um, yeah but they're not they're not rubbish though are they some of it's cheesy as fuck isn't it yeah some of it's horrible um, but no there, there will be some probably I, I mean everyone thinks they've got the best music taste don't they <laughs> I'd actually do though what's your um, what's your what's your worst uh, Britpop crime my worst Brit well, not not many really. I I had Oasis T-shirts. I liked Blur. Um, I never really. Did you buy Space? Really did, did, did you did you buy Space's album? Sleeper would be my worst one because I fancied the pants off of Louise Wenner. Yeah, I never really went for Sleeper. I liked Elastica. I thought they were cooler. Sleeper, I kind of they, I, I kind of they I were didn't, cooler. I didn't, mind, I didn't mind hearing it on the radio, but I didn't buy any albums. Yeah, I had pictures. I had, I had probably a Sleeper poster. I definitely had Louis Wenner poster on my wall, hundred yeah, percent. I reckon you probably cropped out the geezers. It, I think it was just her, and they were out of focus in the background. They knew their market. There Whoever was, was putting that, uh, there was a term. There was a, there was a term, wasn't there? Sleeper bloke. Yes. Sleeper bloke was the name of the people in the in your band that no one knew the names of. <laughs> yes. Which, looking back on it, I heard a sleeper song the other day. Actually, Saturday of the Century, I imagine it was or something. It, it, I think it came on six. And I was all right. And I was going, oh, yeah, I'd love this tune. But do I love this tune? It's 1977 by Asher, good album. Or do I just remember the times in chaos? Those, those two are difficult examples for me because I've, I, I, I've never spent any time being in love with them. Uh, I, I, okay, I'll tell you what, though. There are uh, Elastica, Elastica. That is an insanely good album. Um, obviously, Park Life's amazing. Definitely Maybe's amazing. We were talking... Me and oh, yeah, I'm not, we, we can't put them in the same category. They're records, mate. Modern They're Life is rubbish. Records. Amazing album. Yeah, great records. Okay, then a then an album that an album by a smaller band that still stands up today. I tell you what I like, uh, Gene. They released an album mm. called Drawn to the Deep End, and I listened. To, I still listen to that every now and again, and it's an absolute banger. And okay. they were they were a band that would that definitely uh, enjoyed a, a degree of a level of success that they might not have done had it not been for the period of time. Modern Life is rubbish. Can that come into the Britpop? Fully, you know, a bit early, isn't it? A bit it early. Was, it, was, it was, arguably, it was the, it was the foundation of. That so that's the start. That that's your start. That and Swayed, Swayed, yeah, for sure, man. Mm. Definitely. Okay. 
you, you know how much I love Ride. Is that, would you say that's a smaller band? Uh, I would say, what do you mean, smaller band? Yeah, but I don't know if I'd call Ride Britpop. Maybe, maybe no, kinda, they're not. They're not Britpop. They're shoegaze, aren't they? Yeah, they're not, we're not. And even even when they weren't shoegaze, so like Tarantula and Carnival kind of Light, Carnival of Light, yeah, it wasn't Britpop, though, was it? No, it's weird, isn't it? They come out during Britpop. They are playing Britpoppy songs, but they're not Britpop. Is it because of that Creation Radio, Record Radio, and Radiohead, Radiohead all the way through? Not a Britpop band in the least. No. No. Teenage Fan Club. That's a good band. Gillen, you are huge fans. I know. Um, no, I don't think I've got one. I, do, you reckon, uh, uh, do you reckon Iggy Pop would be pissed off that we've ended up talking about Britpop when we're supposed to be talking about Lust for Life? Well, again, this is the problem is that Ofcom are going to be just saying there wasn't enough dedication to the subject matter in hand. Uh, <clears throat> sorry, to review the record. So I gave um, I gave uh, eight and a half. Well, I gave, a five, I gave a six out of ten, stroke eight and a half out of ten for the Echo and the Bunny member, right? So for Lust for Life, we're going to go first of all for... The Sam Richards uh, actual appreciation of music scale out of 10? 5.1. Jesus, really? Yeah. Wow. So, that's all it is. All right, well, this is exciting, though. In the wilderness years, for the period of time between... Uh, Do you know what? I've actually got the dates. I worked it out earlier. The dates for the wilderness years, are the 12th of September 1975 to the 2nd of May 1989. That is... Perfect, uh, yeah. That is, that is the... Wish you were here wish to scream Delica, to... is it? No, Stone Roses, Stone Roses. Stone Roses, Stone Roses, right, okay, perfect. Yeah, that's ideal. Um, and uh, 8.51. I'd have it slightly ahead of the Echo and the Bunnymen record. <laughs> we're now going to... We're now going to two decimal points. Well, only because... By going 5.1, I can't do the maths to convert what that means on the other one. But yeah, I, I preferred so it. So as opposed to 8.6, you've gone for 8.51. Okay, yes, 8.6. 8.6. Good thinking, yeah. All right. That's the way to do it. 8.6 in the wilderness years of, of Phil. But the most important one, 5.1. Yeah, I mean, it's not a record. Lust for Life is a single. Passenger pisses me off. So the two biggest songs on the record, one I will hear and appreciate and the other one oh it's a bit annoying and repetitive the other songs although one was quite Neil Youngy and one was quite Dawsy and one was quite Strokesy I'll listen to the Strokes or the Doors instead if I want because that's a better version of it I don't think I'll ever come back to this record and necessarily put it on which I don't think you're expecting I mean that would be a fantastic um, turnaround from that would be that would be a coup wouldn't it and, and maybe I, there's I one think, in the... I think I th- this is this is one of those albums though that I would I I might go away a little sad that it's not one of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'd, I would be. You... I'd have been happy if this because I don't. Not certainly, certainly not the first two we did, but this one I thought. Oh, do you know what? I wonder if this might get its hooks in. I don't think it's a fair representation of the album, the first song. I really don't. So I've got a kind of, I've got a kind of not include lust for life, mate. You stay objective. The... I like it. It's good. Yeah, on the record. So if I can get rid of lust for life, the song off of the album and look at it. There's nothing there for me to come back for. You're not, not, you're not, not you're really. Not, you're not into it enough. Not unless um, on the desert island, I'm only allowed to grab ten records from the wilderness years. In which case, at the moment, it's coming. It's coming with me. It's coming with us. But um, yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, exactly. What, what a shocker that would be, wouldn't it? Quickly grab your ten records. Oh, great. From these years from, only. From no. the wilderness years. <laughs> from the wilderness years. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, but can I just take you back to the beginning of the show uh, where you said that listening to this album was an enjoyable experience? Do you feel that I've contradicted myself then by only giving it a 5.1 out of 10? No, because, because, like, because, mind, no, because you can enjoy something and still, mm. and, and, and still enjoy a load of other things a hell of a lot more. After the ABC week, um, not going through that again is enjoyable. I know. <laughs> that makes sense? Like, so being, stubbing your toe, stubbing yeah, your toe is better than chopping off your foreskin or something, you know? So, <laughs> I'd rather stub my toe, I guess. So, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where I am with the I enjoyment think, thing. I think I'm going to have to uh, give you a proper kick in the bollocks now. I'm expecting it. I think, I think I'll be honest with you though, Charlie, you're winning 2-1. I'll give you that. All right. So I appreciate, I don't think it's a case of, what's that show where they throw things in the box they don't like? Room 101. Yeah. yeah. That's, so named I've after, effectively, that's named after a song, isn't it? Oh no, it's named after something in 1984, isn't it? Sorry, carry on. Yeah. So um, I've, I've dumped uh, a decade and a half of music into Room 101 and we are now pulling out records. I've left ABC in there, but I have pulled out the last two records. Yeah. Yeah, they've had above a five. That was in that was in. Oh, it's six out of ten. I gave thingy, but either way, they're they're out. They're out of the um, wilderness years box. I'll grant you that. I'll grant you two one. So for next week, I've, I had a little. I have, I've kind of got a little shortlist, um, and they're all pretty. They're all pretty. I think you're going to find them quite hard going. Um, again. Like I've already said, I'm not going to give you albums I don't like. If I do give you an album I don't like, well, no, I'm literally not going to give you an album I don't like. I might give you an album yeah. I don't know well enough to say I like it or dislike it. Do you know what I mean? But if I do that, I but if I do that, I will tell you. So it won't be a case. Why of, would you? Why would you? I mean, there's there's a this is a finite level of podcast. Our, our viewers <laughs> won't demand we do this forever until we've covered every album. So surely there's enough in the tank for you to pick a record that you've at least got a little bit of uh, energy do you know, for. Do you know why I was? Do you know why I thought to not do that? Because it might bring a a, a, a different angle to it to the conversation. Oh, that's fair. Because well, so it's not be, your opinion be, against my opinion. Yeah, exactly. It'll be I'll be discovering it at the same. Anyway, we're not doing that today. We're going to do an album I'm familiar with. Now, um, oh God, I sh- I, I, let me ask you a question, quick. Go on. So, um, for that other example, will you go to a, um, a friend who is into music from the time and say, look, I'm doing this thing with this lunatic. What record from, say, hip-hop, it, it, which might not be... Yeah, that's, that's, not a ba- that's not a bad shout. I, I would, I, I would it, be up it, for doing that. Someone whose opinion got, you someone's respect. Got an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good shout. Yeah, all right. Okay. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll pick a week to do that. I also wondered about um, when a particular album comes up and it, I associate it with a with a mutual friend of ours. I wondered whether or not we get them involved as well, but we'll we'll sort that out. Okay, I've I've made my decision. I've made my decision. Okay. Next week we are going to talk uh, about Hounds of Love by Kate Bush. Okay. I want you to spend the week with uh, Miss Bush. And uh, do, you, do, do you want to give me your, your sort of first impressions, what you know about her, what you know about the album? Oh, she's as crazy as a box of frogs, right? Say again? She's as mad as a box of frogs. Okay. Don't ask me to qualify um, your questions. 
I am. Um, I think this would be a good one. I've, I've got a good. I, as you probably know, quite like female artists um, at the moment. I, I really like Warpaint and Courtney Barnett and other bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I think it'd be okay. Now, the difficulty with it is, is that Partridge obviously takes a piss <laughs> in quite a lot of his episodes, singing her songs and stuff. So when I hear that, if a song's on the record on that Hounds of Love record, of which obviously there's been a huge cover. Um, I don't know if a huge cover's the right. It's not a huge cover, yeah. but it was. It's yeah, I know you're the future heads thing. Yeah, Hounds of Love. So the album's called Hounds of Love, and there's a song called Hounds of Love. Correct. Again, I often wonder whether that's a bit of a throwaway. What naming an album after a song? Yeah, or vice versa. You don't I, know. You I, don't know how I've, it was done. I imagine I, it was that way. Around. I'm a I'm a fan of people naming an album after not a song. I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of the name of an album not being a, a tune on the album. Because a bit like the Lust for Life thing, it's okay. Spotify will um, disagree, but I can guarantee you after after those two songs, the next listened will, will be ten will be miles away from the other two, right? Yeah. So, um, all intents and purposes, Lust for Life was the song of that record. It was the name of the album. It just feels like loads of eggs in that basket. And with Hounds of Love, I'm, I'm assuming there's some lovely songs on there as well, but. Is it a little bit kind of like throwing it down people's throats a little bit? Hounds of Love, the song, the album. This is my vibe by the I song. Think, by I the think album. I think people, people, I think people do it when they feel like the song that they're using is really representative of where they are at with that whole album. That's what I think it comes down to. Either that, or it's a really cool sort of conceptual title, uh, like Sergeant Pepper's. Yeah. Yeah, but but yeah. but but not not so much that on the nose, but just generally, if it, if it's just a, you know, if they've got a chuffy over over a particular song title, they might think, yeah, I'm going to use that for the album as well. Otherwise, I think it sometimes it's like Hounds of Love. I don't know. Let's talk about it next week. I'm looking forward to it. Um, what else do I know? Um, piano, I think, which I'm looking forward to. Obviously, it's right in the middle. You can give me the year now. I'm going to be guessing at 86, at 1985. Five okay, so right in the middle of the of the wilderness years, production wise. But it'd be nice to hear a lady, a lady. Cool. A lady. Yeah, look, looking forward to it. All right. Well, look, um, send me over the normal stuff, yeah, and I'll give it my utmost, and we will talk in one week. Sweet. All right, mate. I'll talk to you in a bit. Take care, man. Bye. Bye. Bye.